Well, hello from Maui, Hawaii. It's Michael Benner with this week's Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. Happy to be with you on this uh, Memorial Day, what used to be called Veterans Day, holiday weekend. And uh, I guess most people consider this the beginning of summer. So wherever you are, I hope you have beautiful weather and that uh, for you this is the beginning of summertime that uh, we're around in the corner and heading for uh, for beautiful weather. The best part about it, of course, is uh, lots of folks get an extra day off, and that's a good thing because most people I know are working way too hard, overworked, underpaid, and uh, so anytime you can put three days in a row together and uh, have a nice long holiday weekend, that's a good thing. I have mixed feelings always about Veterans Day or Memorial Day myself because uh, I so abhor war and yet uh, at the same time value the uh, sacrifices of uh, those who felt the need to fight in war. And uh, I think the point being is that as humanity evolves and war becomes increasingly how shall I say it, objectionable, as more people become conscious and aware that war does not solve problems, then we look back and it's easy to judge uh, people that fought war or even those who promoted war. And yet, uh, certainly for the average man or woman that went into the military, um, whether it was during war or during times of peace, I don't think we can disparage their intentions. In most cases, they all did what they thought was the right thing to do at, at the right time. Um, I think nobody hates war like a veteran of war. Um, the person that said war is hell was a soldier and not a hippie pacifist like me. So... Um, it's a difficult thing to talk about, but I want to bring it up, even though briefly, on Memorial Day, because I do have these mixed feelings. Um, so I do appreciate, appreciate the sacrifice. My father was a veteran of World War II, was, uh, was injured uh, in war and traumatized by it, never would talk about it uh, in any way at all. could never get him to talk about it. Um, Today we have terms like PTSD for post-traumatic stress disorder uh, that sort of acknowledges the horrific emotional impact that war has on those that manage to survive it, their families as well. And um, so we're learning a lot about what used to be called uh, shell shock or battle fatigue. And, uh, of course, Bush and Cheney, pushed our guys to the limit by taking a nine-month tour and making it a 12-month tour and then a 15-month tour and then repeated tours two, three, four, five times, going back again and again and again. And uh, that's a price we're going to pay for a, a long time. Bush and Cheney will be dead and gone for decades before that uh, goes away. And it probably never will go away. And... Uh, so I honor the good intentions, the loyalty, the patriotism, the bravery on this Memorial Day of those women and men.
At the same time, we redouble our efforts to follow women and men of peace and uh, insist that uh, we oppose uh, war, that we always go for alternatives to war um, and just jump ahead to the end. When the war is over, you sit down and talk. Well, let's declare it over and sit down and talk. Um, I saw a, a program that we had TiVoed and recorded a CNN program where um, the Dalai Lama was being interviewed, and he was talking about sitting and talking with uh, Osama bin Laden, the Dalai Lama, talking about how we should sit down and talk to Osama bin Laden. And I thought, what percentage of Americans, not world citizens, but just Americans, because we were the ones that were hit, what percentage of Americans would find that to be a reasonable suggestion? And I don't suppose the numbers would be really very high. And yet it makes sense to me. I just know that I'm in a minority. I just know there's very few people that see any wisdom in that. We are so good at demonizing uh, the enemy that we think that he's a madman. Uh, maybe he is a madman, but if you sat down and talked with him, uh, it'd be one way of finding out. And finding out what is he so mad about. Um, play on words, I know, but still. Um, uh, the world is losing its tolerance for war and war making. And I think you're seeing that this week, the uh, playing out of the Cheney and Barack Obama speeches. History making. Absolute history being made before our very eyes and uh, going through my email this morning I see Barack Obama is going to visit uh, Los Angeles this Wednesday and uh, again attend a, a fundraising dinner that most of us could never afford uh, and there are going to be anti-war protesters there and this is so bizarre to me because he said he was going to end the war and uh now he's sending more troops to Afghanistan. Makes me wonder uh, who really runs the show. Like, once Barack gets in the White House, does he get a briefing that uh, the shadow government is actually in charge and he'll be taking orders from these men, the same people Dick Cheney takes orders from? Uh, I don't believe that literally, but I think there are extraordinary pressures that most of us don't understand that go with being the president. And uh, I often wish that Barack, as much as I admire him, were less uh, moderate, less of a centrist, and and more progressive. But certainly there are those on the right that have similar feelings uh, in reverse, and maybe being that centrist is where he needs to be. But still, I think we could have peaceful uh, protests when Barack shows up and uh, carry signs uh, and and sing songs and hold candles and let him know that if he's going to be a war president, even a very different kind of war president than, than Bush and Cheney, that those of us who oppose all war um, and violence are going to speak up. It's part of being a conscious, sentient being. It's part of your spiritual growth is to oppose warfare. And I think Barack is on board with us. He just doesn't exactly know how to do it. Uh, 
Um, but a girlfriend of mine used to say years ago, nothing to it but to do it. You just do it. He doesn't seem to know, to know how to close Gitmo. Um, you just do it. And uh, that most of the Democrats are knuckling under to the pressure um, about uh, releasing so-called, that's the catchphrase, releasing the prisoners from Guantanamo. Harry Reid said that, the Democratic leader in the Senate. And the reporter said, no, Senator, nobody's talking about releasing the prisoners in Gitmo. They're talking about transferring them to American prisons, where there's never been an escape from a supermax prison. And Reid's response, the, the number one Democrat in the Senate of the United States, said, well, you have to release them to move them. Um, it's pathetic. And... Uh, so on this Memorial Day, we can only hope that um, a calmer, uh, more pacifist spirit will prevail, that as the dust settles, uh, Cheney will find an appropriate place in, in history of despotism and tyranny. Um, I think it's clear who's the, who was the president for the last eight years, and uh, you may never hear from George Bush again. So... Not to go off onto a rant here, but on Memorial Day, I thought I'd mention it. Uh, I have had a number of people request that from time to time I do a little commentary on current events and news and politics and such in these seminars. And so I just wanted to do that little five- or seven-minute spiel there uh, as you get the charcoal going on your barbecue to think about what it, what is Memorial Day and what are we remembering. Uh, I often find, I'll just say this as a final note, then we'll get to our subject of the day. I'm often um, intrigued at the way people celebrate the good parts, so-called, of war. How uh, survivors of war, veterans and others, will talk about the camaraderie and the loyalty and the sense of duty, and the bravery, and all the good things that come out of uh, the military. It stuns me because it, it tends to suggest that this is the only way that we can develop these qualities of loyalty and bravery and duty and brotherhood, and, uh, that, that the only arena we can we can find this or promote it is in killing other people that you've never even met. Uh, it, it's uh, outrageous and, and demonstrates the need for critical thinking. This is a side project of mine, by the way. I've been working lately on developing critical thinking and emotional intelligence programs for children. Uh, most of us regardless of the extent of our education, never got either critical thinking or emotional intelligence. Attorneys are taught to think critically. Medical doctors and other professionals uh, have occasion to learn some critical thinking, but the assumption that I learn bravery in war, therefore the only place I can learn bravery is war, that kind of, of, of obtuse thinking 
demands a response. We need to teach children in grade school and certainly middle school and high school and college critical thinking skills so that they can see the trap uh, in that kind of conundrum. Certainly we can teach these um, values of bravery and sense of duty and loyalty and even appropriate patriotism um, in in nonviolent ways. So I just want to add that to. All right, let's get to our. Uh, so anyway, happy Memorial Day. I hope your charcoal starts, and moreover, that you, you enjoy. You have a great three-day holiday weekend with friends and family. That's the most important part. That you're able to share this holiday or some part of it with friends and family, people that you love, and people that you feel loved being with. Got a little latency in the uh, little feedback in my telephone line. I hope that's not uh, online. Hopefully that's just me. Anyway, um, our program today on the Mystery School is about uh, aids to meditation. Um, I think first I'll talk a little bit about, in the most generic way, what we mean by meditation, and then I'll talk about some of the mechanical and electrical uh, and biochemical uh, aids, the gadgets and uh, the doodads, uh, the machinery and the devices that are available uh, to help us attain these altered states. Uh, often they are inexpensive and very effective and safe and uh, a lot of fun to use also. Uh, it sort of uh, is a, a response, the program today, to those who say, I've tried to meditate, Michael, I really wish I could, but I just can't slow my mind down. Uh, all I do when I try to meditate is listen or watch my mind chatter and talk, 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 talk. And uh, I'd like to explain why that is and the nature of meditation uh, briefly at the top here, and then we'll go into a brief discussion of some of the devices that are available, as I say, the machinery and the other gadgets and doodads, uh, to help you become a better meditator. And then we'll answer your questions and respond to your comments. Uh, again, if you're... Uh, and a pillow? Yeah, I'm going to make sure. It seems like you guys aren't turned off here. Hold on. There we go. I think the mute button was was not on, so the phone people were leaking through. Let's try that. Anyway, um, so we'll talk first about what is the the benefit of meditation and how how do we quiet the mind to meditate? Well, the truth is you don't have to quiet your mind to meditate. You have to practice meditation to quiet the mind. And uh, <laughs> we get it backwards. If you, as you practice any form of meditation, uh, if you still the body, the mind will begin to quiet, and moreover, the emotional nature will grow calm. What do you do, basically, to create a quiet mind and a calm emotional nature? Well, you have to lower the stimulus. Now, there's essentially two sources of stimulus. There's external stimulus and internal stimulus. The 
external stimulus is mostly physical sense and sensation. What you see, for example, um, 86% of brain activity on average, 80 to 90% of brain activity, is processing visual information. So simply closing your eyes frees up 80 to 90% of your brain to do other things, like understand, comprehend. That's remarkable, isn't it? Just to consider that simply closing your eyes, doing nothing but closing your eyes, which is difficult for many people to do unless they're going to sleep. They feel uncomfortable with their eyes closed. They feel uh, unsafe with their eyes closed. My goodness, uh, how many of you would be willing to sit in a public park uh, in some big city or small town even on a park bench with your eyes closed? Uh, you know, I think most people would find that difficult. Uh, afraid somebody would come up to you and wake you up or see if you were okay or if you needed to have the paramedics called. No, man, I'm meditating in the park. I look, <laughs> I look forward to the day. Probably won't be in my lifetime, but I'm sure there will come a day when people can meditate publicly without others thinking it's strange. So most of us are not safe enough uh, in public to even close our eyes. And so when you're alone, in private, let's say at home with the door closed and you still feel uncomfortable when your eyes are closed, it's understandable. It's a matter of practice. It's just a matter of training the mind whose primary job is to protect you from danger, to keep you alive. The number one default program in the mind or in the brain is to keep you alive. The reason the mind chatters and runs on so much, especially as it's overstimulated by the kind of lifestyle that we're leading, absolutely inappropriate kind of a lifestyle. We are overstimulated. We are overworked. We're underpaid. We're frustrated. We try too hard. And it's like... Uh, I don't know, it's like driving uh, uh, in first gear every place you go. You, you, you might get up to 15, 20 miles an hour, but if you can't get out of first gear, you're going to be at 5,000, 6,000 RPMs. The engine's going to be screaming and doing all of this work, and yet you're still in first gear. Meditation is sort of like gearing up into overdrive so that you can get the mental clarity and, and the emotional insight and the spiritual awareness that we're all seeking and, and, and developing through an absence of effort. You see, not only physical effort, but through an absence of emotional turmoil and mostly through the absence of uh, any kind of deductive logic or reasoning. Uh, that's when we really can see uh, further it's the nature of the mind itself in normal consciousness when eyes are open and we're focused out into the physical world to think logically, analytically, to reason deductively. In other words, to take apart whole things into little pieces. The more stressed we are, 
the more the mind is interested in looking at details and little bits and pieces. It says the mind relaxes and feels safe that it gains the capacity to see the bigger picture. <clears throat> Excuse me, the gestalt, uh, the whole enchilada, to take a step back and see the overarching concepts. And that's what's missing in most people's lives. You've got the ability to take something apart. What we need to balance it is the ability to go in the other direction, to put it together, to think from specific to general, and to see the larger overarching concept. And that oddly comes not from any effort, as logic and reasoning often feels like an effort, right? To see the bigger picture is not an effort so much as a matter of allowing. So meditation though it has many forms and even other names, such as contemplation and introspection, is a process of closing your eyes and then turning away from the physical world, turning away from sense and sensation, ignoring the stimulus from the outer world, and then dealing with the other kind of stimulus, which is internal stimulus, the brain chatter and the emotional distortion the emotional um, disturbance that we carry with us uh, throughout our lives and allowing the mind naturally as you breathe deeply and let go of muscular tension. Those are the three bits of the three parts of any meditation. To close your eyes and turn away from physical sensation. To take, number two, slow, deep breaths so the body really feels safe and relaxed. It's got evidence now that you're safe. You've closed your eyes and now you're breathing slowly and deeply. And then the third element is to let go of muscular tension. And that's like three messages to the subconscious mind that you're safe and that you can relax. And what happens then naturally and normally is all of that mental chatter, that monkey mind the grasshopper effect of the mind jumping from this to that, to that fear, to this fear, to that worry, to that doubt, to this reason to be nervous, jumping like the grasshopper or the Buddhist often talks about monkey mind. And um, it just gets quiet. The, the, the spaces between your thoughts begin to grow. And you can, in time, with practice, put your attention on the space between the thoughts and even go out between the thoughts and exist for moments at a time, two, three seconds in a row with no thoughts and no feelings and no distractions, and yet you remain, you exist. And the first thought to interrupt that is probably going to be something like, hey, I did it far out, I went three seconds without having a thought. But then you realize that that was a thought you see. <laughs> so maybe the next time it lasts for four seconds, and maybe you could even get up to five seconds, and uh, then you might fall asleep. Oh, well, you try it again. You practice. It's like walking a balance beam, right? Uh, 
You're going to go off one way, the mind will start to think, or you go off the other way, it'll fall asleep. Meditation, contemplation, is a balance in between where you are aware, awake, and very alert, but the mind is quiet and the emotional nature is calm. And that's the result of the practice, right? You don't have to get there to meditate. You meditate to get to the quiet mind, calm heart, all right? Now, because it is a discipline, and people who do it are called disciples or aspirants. I like that word. Disciple has been sort of co-opted by religion, hasn't it? Uh, To be an aspirant, to be aspirational, to aspire, not desire. That's generally for material things and money is desire. To aspire is to wish to grow uh, spiritually, to uh, uh, climb Jacob's ladder, so to speak, uh, the stairway to heaven, to evolve, to become more aware, to become more awake, uh, to be able to see the ever bigger picture and understand the spiritual oneness of all things, which feeds back and allows you to feel even more safe and more relaxed. And that in turn allows you to understand even more. Just the opposite or the complement of the vicious cycle downward of anxiety and confusion, or said another way, fear and ignorance. So because it's a practice and not easy to do and especially challenging in these times, uh, there are machines and uh, and gadgets, uh, chief among them biofeedback, but I also want to talk a little about brain entrainment, which I think is fascinating uh, been around for years, and most people don't know anything about it. And uh, I'll, I'll also tell you how um, you can buy some of these uh, devices, where to go to get these devices. Uh, so let's start with biofeedback. Biofeedback, as the name suggests, is getting uh, a feedback loop. The technical word for it is cybernetic. Any cybernetic uh, system is a system that gives you feedback on how it's doing. Uh, Some of you may be familiar. In fact, I would recommend the book from the, was it the 1950s, called Psycho-Cybernetics by a plastic surgeon, oddly enough, named Maxwell Maltz. And Maltz... uh, was amazed by how he could do these tiny little uh, changes on people. This was uh, this was before this was in the early days of plastic surgery, where uh, many of his operations were just a little nose job here, a little uh, eye lift there. It wasn't the kind of full-on plastic surgery we have today, uh, with face transplants and all of that. But he he would do this tiniest little uh, nose job and see that people's lives changed completely. And they'd come back and give him credit and said, oh, you know, you fixed my nose, I was so ugly, and and now it's so much better, my whole life has changed. And I met somebody, and I fell in love, and we're getting married, and I got a new job, and my career is advanced. and, and, And Maltz was, like, blown away. And he said, this can't be. Uh, about the plastic surgery it's got to be about their attitude uh, their mentality 
uh, about themselves, their level of esteem, self-esteem and self-confidence as a result of uh, having had the plastic surgery. And so he wrote what really is a seminal work and a classic book I recommend to everybody interested in mind science. It's a little dry. He's not the best writer in the world, but a very important book nonetheless, Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. So my point is a cybernetic system is any system that has a feedback circuit in it. Um, a classic would be uh, your heating thermostat, an air conditioning thermostat. There's a little bimetal strip in, a, in most thermostats that responds to the temperature in the room. And one side of that metal strip expands and contracts to a greater degree than the other side of the metal strip. So if it gets too hot in the room, the heater turns off. If it continues to be too hot, the air conditioner turns on all by itself. Right? Isn't it magical? How does it know? And if it gets too cold, the air conditioner turns off. If it's still too cold, the heater comes on. The thermostat is a classic cybernetic system. Or a heat-seeking missile is a cybernetic system, where that missile, as it approaches the heat source that is the target, um, it's feeding information uh, back to the guidance system. And it might say, oh, we're getting off track and feeling a little less heat. So it looks around for the heat and it readjusts its trajectory until it's back on, on the, the direct path. And then it stops adjusting and continues on until it feels like it's getting off track. And then it adjusts again. A cybernetic system that is responding to its environment. Well, that's what biofeedback is. It's giving you uh, a feedback from your biology as to the relative nature of how stressed or how tense you are. Now, there are many indicators of stress and tension in the physical body. Uh, in fact, to graph those many indicators is often called a polygraph. You may know it as a lie detector, but poly means many, Many graphs means here's a machine that will, it's essentially a, a lie detector is a biofeedback device, um, a rather expensive one, um, and a very sensitive one. You have to be trained in how to use it, so you, you can't just buy a polygraph. And there are better approaches to biofeedback I'll tell you about in a minute anyway. But what they're measuring is um, a number of physiological corollaries to stress and tension. Respiration, for example. And so there's a band put around your chest, for as you become more anxious, your rate of breathing tends to increase. And as you become more relaxed, it decreases respiration. But also um, pulse rate, how fast is your heart beating, blood pressure, how strong is it pushing blood? How much effort, how much pressure does it take to push blood through these tight muscles? So as you feel more nervous or anxious or worried or stressed or afraid, you carry that as muscular tension, which requires the heart to not only beat faster, 
but to increase the pressure at which it pushes the blood through the body. So respiration, pulse, blood pressure, uh, there's three indices right there of your relative level of stress and anxiety. And again, why does this matter? Well, because stress is confusing to the mind and disturbing to the emotional nature, and relaxation, on the other hand, allows the mind to understand, makes you more intelligent, uh, not only in the deductive way, but moreover in an inductive way, the ability to see big pictures, and also allows you to have more emotional intelligence as the emotional nature becomes more calm and less disturbed. It's easier to understand why do I feel the way I feel emotionally. So we benefit in both of those areas, IQ and EQ, from learning to relax. So biofeedback, uh, there's other uh, indicators also. We could measure the temperature in the fingertip. Many biofeedback devices will simply attach to uh, the tip of one of your fingers and measure either the temperature or some of the more sophisticated machines will measure the blood volume in the capillaries at the tip of your fingers. Ever wonder why when you're nervous or afraid, your fingertips and your toes and the end of your nose gets cold, right? Because you go into fight or flight, the tight muscles squeeze the capillaries, force the warm blood into the center of your body, so the extremities are going to get cold, right? A wonderful meditation is simply to imagine your fingertips, your toes, and your nose getting warm. <laughs> That's a meditation all by itself. And as you imagine muscles relaxing, capillaries dilating, warm blood moving all the way out to the extremities, you feel so safe, right? Ah, it works, right? So... Let's see, what are some of the others that are measured? Um, oh, galvanic skin response is also measurable. This is the electrical conductivity of the skin. And this changes. You know, if you get real nervous, you become or worried or negative, doubtful, fearful. You get the proverbial sweaty palms. Well, think about it. Um, a saline solution is a conductor, an electrical conductor. So as you get more anxious and more nervous and more stressed, even if you don't physically feel or become aware of your palms getting sort of moist and sweaty, the electrical conductivity of your fingertips and the palms of your hands increases in response to that perspiration, even at, a, at, at tiny little levels barely even aware that your palms are getting more and more damp. Nevertheless, a sensitive machine that's inducing a very low level of current. You'd never feel it. Very low milliamps, millivolts of current moving through. It can sense the conductivity and give you an indicator then of how stressed or how uh, relaxed you might be. So this plays out in a variety of biofeedback devices, the first I've already mentioned being the polygraph or the so-called lie detector. And uh, then there are biofeedback clinics that you can go to, uh, often for pain control and accelerated healing. 
that uh, provide very expensive, uh, sophisticated machinery to give you, in most cases, um, the way it's the way it's used today is not to provide an overall sense of your level of stress or tension, but most biofeedback clinics and biofeedback technicians are interested in providing through this expensive, sophisticated machinery uh, a, a biofeedback indicator for a specific area. So let's say as a result, God forbid, of some sort of car accident, you have a muscle spasm on the left side of your lower back. There's this one little area that causes you pain and discomfort. And, um, you know, the doctors have done whatever they can do to fix that area, and you're getting other kinds of therapy, maybe massage or heat treatments or whatever, but the um, the pain remains chronic or, or acute. Well, you can learn with your mind on a biofeedback machine to relax just that one tiny little area. And the machine might give you a indicator like a beeping tone or uh, a color of light or a needle swinging. It doesn't really matter uh, what the nature of the feedback is as long as you understand that as you accomplish the relaxation, you'll know because the beep tones go slower or the light changes color uh, from red to blue or the needle moves from the left to the right or the right to the left, whatever the case may be. Um, I have several biofeedback devices that are built around sound and usually the way they set them up, the way they design the device is the slower the beep Sometimes the pitch goes down here, go meaning you're relaxing, right? And if you start to get stressed, you go it'll go up again. But sometimes it's the rate of the beep. So relaxing goes like beep 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 beep. That's an indication that you're relaxing. And then if somebody surprised you or scared you, your eyes would pop open and it would go beep, 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 right back up again, see. So whether it's the pitch or the frequency of the beeping, it could be a needle swinging or a color or it doesn't really matter too much, the nature of the feedback, but you're getting some evidence fed back to you, some indication that you have control in in this way, that you can use relaxation to, in the case, in the example that I'm giving you, because it's most of what biofeedback clinics are about, is pain control and accelerated healing. By the way, I've done a wisdom school program in the past, and we will again reprise it uh, in the future, on pain control and healing, because the relationship of deep relaxation to pain control and accelerated healing is worthy of um, study and uh, practicing in your life. Uh, the fact that, um, you know, when the doctor says take two aspirin and call me in the morning, that's because he or she knows that the best thing you can do to accelerate healing is go to sleep and relax. Um, you know, it's true for the plant kingdom too. Plants grow at night, 
much faster than during the day. During the day, they're soaking up the sun and the water, but at night, that's when everything's rusting. That's when the plant really grows. And the same for you. You grow faster at night. You heal faster at night. And to give yourself suggestions of of pain management and accelerated healing as you go to sleep, um, that's a meditation, and that has extraordinary power. Your doctor's not going to tell you about that. CNN's not going to tell you about that. Major news magazines aren't going to tell you about that because they're all brought to you by drug companies, big pharma, right? So don't expect the major media to be telling you this this information that I'm sharing with you here today. So here's the good news. You can go out and buy yourself any one of a number of biofeedback devices um, at the end of this program. I'll tell you how uh, you can buy uh, a couple of machines that I have available, but a little Google search will show you a variety of these machines. Most Oh, by the way, this is what the celebrated e-meter is also in Scientology. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been audited or know anybody that ever got audited, but the celebrated e-meter uh, in Scientology is simply a Wheatstone bridge. For those of you who have an electrical background or you know electronics, you may be familiar with a circuit called the Wheatstone Bridge. Uh, they can be built uh, in, uh, on circuit boards for a couple of bucks. It's not a complicated circuit. And that's what's in an e-meter or a handheld biofeedback device. Most of them are built around um, galvanic skin response the tendency of this Wheatstone Bridge to having induced, as I explained a few minutes ago, a very low level of electricity into one fingertip. It measures uh, the voltage and the amperage or the wattage at the other fingertip. So it's sensing in a relative nature the conductivity of the skin and giving you a feedback on whether you're becoming more and more stressed or more and more relaxed. And the machine is calibrated when you first put it on. So you're awake, you're aware, you're alert, you're moderately stressed. You put uh, put on any one of these different handheld biofeedback machines. They're usually in the area of $150 or so. Um, and calibrate it. Again, adjust the pitch to wherever you want it to be or the rate of beeping uh, or the color of the LED, whatever the device. Some are self-calibrating now. And uh, then you start to relax. And either you will get visual or auditory or sometimes both. The auditory is important, the auditory feedback, because closing your eyes, as I said before, is a big help in relaxing. So if you need... A visual feedback, your eyes are going to be open. And that's why the headphones or the, to have a little speaker in your biofeedback device is a good idea so that you can close your eyes, not have to rely on visual feedback, and instead use the auditory feedback to know that if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to be able to relax deeper and deeper. Okay. So, there are the uh, galvanic skin response machines, handheld biofeedback machines. They're usually in the area of 100 
$200, I'd say 150 bucks or so. And you either strap on these little uh, sensors to your fingertips or you may have electrodes on the machine that you lay your fingers over and then put a strap over the top because they have to be held still. If you move around, you get false readings. And um, there are also um, some really inexpensive uh, biofeedback devices that you can get for a lot less than that, even a couple of bucks. Um, in fact, uh, they get confused with mood rings because you can buy these electrical, um, what do I mean to say, not electrical, but electrochemical uh, devices. They're heat sensitive. This is not galvanic skin response now, but a heat sensitive uh, chemical strip Sometimes they come on uh, a little credit card and uh, or a piece of plastic that looks very much like a credit card, and there's a little square in the middle. And you put your thumb on it and count to ten, and then take your thumb off, and you get a reading depending on the color of the strip. Black says that you're pretty stressed out. Red says you're moderately relaxed but still somewhere in the middle. Uh, green usually indicates that you're fairly relaxed and doing pretty well if you're trying to get relaxed and therefore smarter and more emotionally sensitive. And the gold is a deep blue. If you can get it to deep blue, you're in the alpha brainwave level or deeper. You're very relaxed and probably a skilled meditator. Um, I mentioned in my newsletter this week that I had a free gift for everybody that listens live to this program today. And I'd like to say that I can do this for people who listen to the replay, but I have a limited number of these cards. Uh, they cost me about $5 a piece, but I'm going to give them away free to anybody who will um, send me a self-addressed stamped envelope. If you go to the effort of sending me a self-addressed stamped envelope. And a 44-cent stamp is all you need. New stamps are 44 now, right? That's all you need. Get a get an envelope and write your address on the front of it with a 44-cent stamp and then fold it up and put it in an envelope to me and mail it to me. Then uh, I will send you one of these biofeedback cards if you're listening live today. Now, if you're listening to this program in the future, I can't guarantee that I'll still have the supply. But if you do it today, I'm sure I have enough that I can send one gratis, free, to everybody who just wants to mail me um, a self-addressed stamped envelope. Okay. So what I want you to do is give me three or four weeks for delivery because I'm going to send it to a post office box, but uh, send you to a P.O. Box. I'd like you to mail it to P.O. Box 580, P.O. Box 580. Just write, um, well, actually what I'd like you to, to do is you could address it to me, but it'd be even better if you addressed it to Steve Snyder. It's his P.O. Box. All right. So address it to Steve Snyder at P.O. Box. You know Steve. You guys all know Steve, right? He's my partner at FocusPassion.com. We do the premium 
audio program every week, Finding Yourself in Paradise. Steve Snyder, S-N-Y-D-E-R. Steve Snyder at P.O. Box 580, HANA, H-A-N-A, Hawaii, that's H-I, 96713. All right. A self-addressed stamped envelope. Inside another envelope. Make sure you put a 44-cent stamp on it. Stick it inside another envelope. Mail it to Steve Snyder, P.O. Box 580, Hana, Hawaii, 96713. And I'd say, if you do that in the next week or so, the sooner is better, I'll send you one of these cards that uh, they last forever. I have I've, I've I've got one here I've had for maybe 15 years and it still works fine. And they're very sensitive and it gives you a very accurate reading. Uh they're not uh, as accurate as the $115 machine, but it's better than nothing and I'll be happy to give you one, mail it back to you if uh if you want to go to the effort of sending me a self-addressed stamped envelope, okay? So uh, that's another um, device, and you can buy those in stores. Um, years ago, for three or four dollars, I bought what looked like a drink coaster. Uh, it was a piece of plastic, temperature sensitive plastic, on a foam rubber base that I got at the uh, oh, I think either the Bodhi Tree or maybe Alexandria Two Bookstore out in Pasadena, and. Uh, it was very cool. You just grab a hold of that thing, and it immediately, well, again, you usually count to ten, and do it in normal consciousness to get one reading, and then relax. Close your eyes. Take a slow, deep breath. Feel the letting go in your body. And then wait for ten seconds, and open your eyes, lift your thumb, and see the difference. You'll be amazed. And look, if you can change your body, by relaxing if you can manage pain mitigate moderate pain and accelerate healing if you can do that with your mind simply by relaxing it begs the question what else can you do why is meditation one of the oldest practices known to humanity we thousands and thousands of years the oldest recorded history i put a quote by voltaire in the newsletter this week about meditation. Voltaire, for God's sakes, if you're under the impression that meditation was something that was only understood by yogis and swamis and Eastern mystics and gurus, it's not true. The ancient Greeks knew all about meditation and contemplation. They didn't understand brainwaves. They didn't understand all the physiological uh, or physical corollaries that went with uh, that could be measured in a cybernetic way. But uh, they knew the value. They knew the practical benefits mentally and emotionally and physically and spiritually from exploring relaxation. Now we've got these cool devices. All right. So I'll send you the biofeedback card, or you can look around for one in the store. Again, they're about, they're about five bucks. I'll send you one for free. Um, there are also the handheld devices and I'll tell you more about how to contact me later in the program if you're interested in buying one through a company that I've worked with for 15 years. They also make the light and sound devices I'm about to talk about next. But um, 
you know, I'm not here to sell you anything. So you've got Google on your computer. Uh, you've got a browser that will take you to Google, rather, and you can search the Internet for these devices and do whatever you want to do. So, so much for biofeedback. Let's talk a little about brain entrainment, which is a, a very different phenomenon. And uh, brain entrainment is a, well, I don't, you know, time flies so fast on these webinars, and I, there's so much I want to tell you about this. Let me just say briefly that under the Bush and Cheney administration, in fact, even before that, when Bill Clinton was president, the Food and Drug Administration uh, caving to the medical industry made the word entrainment a medical term. And so some of the companies that were building brain entrainment devices uh, had to stop calling them entrainment devices. Um, because the medical establishment wanted to monopolize this machinery, even though it's safe, effective, and affordable, and also fun and easy to use, um, the benefits of deep relaxation to healing are so profound that a big, big section of the medical establishment and, and big pharma is terrified that People are going to find out about the power of relaxation, not only biofeedback, but entrainment. So about 10 years ago, 8 or 10 years ago, the word entrainment was made a medical term. And so I'm not sure the status anymore of it. But I can tell you the, the phenomena is as follows. Presuming you have a basic understanding of brain waves, which is that the frequency of the radio-like waves that are put out by your brain as a result of electrochemical activity increases in response to stress, whether it's external stimulus through your senses or internal stimulus, just the turmoil of mentality and emotion. Okay, In the presence of either and both, Brain waves increase. When we relax and feel safe, the frequency, the rate of the oscillating brain wave goes down. All right. What entrainment is about is noticing that when the physical senses are exposed to any rhythm, be it a flashing light, a pulsing tone, um, or a feeling in your body that is rhythmic, if it falls within normal brainwave parameters, which is 1 to 40 cycles per second, the brain will adjust and synchronize to the frequency it's exposed to. This is why, for example, we find sitting in front of a fireplace or watching a candle, staring at a candle, or even laying out on a summer night and looking at all the stars, we find that so relaxing, even entrancing, because the frequency of the fireplace, the candle, or the twinkling star is so slow. And the brain adjusts to it. 
And as the brainwave frequency slows to adjust and synchronize with the frequency of the fireplace or the candle or the twinkling star, or it could be moonlight on the water. If you've ever sat on the ocean or a small lake and watched moonlight on the water, if the waves on the water are nice and slow and rhythmic, the the twinkling of the moonlight or the sunlight on the water is very entrancing. But if the wind picks up and the waves get sort of choppy, uh, the frequency of the twinkling moonlight or sunlight on the water increases and your brain waves go up and it makes you really nervous. Isn't that interesting? So a brain entrainment device, often called a light and sound machine, if you want to Google it, Google both brain entrainment and light and sound machines. It's just a computer chip in a box with um, outputs for usually headphones or a speaker of some sort and um, glasses, light glasses with LEDs in them. And you put the glasses on always over closed eyes. You close your eyes so the eyelid acts as a diffuser. All right? Close your eyes, put these LED glasses on, and then select one of the programs. Usually there's 10, 15, 20, 50 programs in the computer chip. You choose one that you like, a particular length or a depth of relaxation, whatever, and hit the old go button, and the lights start flashing and the tones start pulsing, at a fairly rapid rate, maybe 20, 25 cycles per second. Normal brainwave frequency for an awake individual who's moderately stimulated. But then as the program runs, the speed at which the lights are flashing and the rate at which the tones in the earphones are pulsing begins to slow. Little by little, it's dee 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 dee, and the lights are slowing as well. And it's very slow. This happens over a matter of minutes, right? So that your sessions could run anywhere from 15 or 20 minutes up to 30 minutes, 45 minutes, maybe even an hour. Anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour, depending on which program you choose how deep you want to go, how long you want to stay there, what you want to accomplish when you get into these levels. Many of them will take you even deeper than alpha into the theta brainwave level that's associated with dreaming while you're asleep. Now, unlike delta, which is the lowest of all brainwave frequencies, where we sleep without dreaming and we cannot access without being asleep, theta where you have your dreams while you're asleep, is an area you can visit while you're still awake. But it's very slippery in there. We tend to fall (laughs) through theta. We tend to move from alpha falling through theta into deep sleep. And um, so most people don't have an experience with theta. Uh, the, The best way to know that you're in theta, not alpha, and these brain entrainment or light and sound machines often take you there, is really profound visual imagery, like a lucid dream. Um, It's amazing sometimes, uh, the strong visions 
and visualizations you'll get. The technical term for this is hypnogogic imagery. Okay? Bet you never heard the term. Hypno, which means sleep, gogic, hypnogogic imagery. And um, if you're meditating and your your visualization is particularly intense, um, especially if it's not directed but rather spontaneous, uh, you're probably in theta, especially if you're losing track of your body. You're not sure if your hands are folded in your lap this way or folded that way, or you can sort of feel your body to your elbows, but then you lose track below the elbow. and That's theta. That's another indicator. Great place for pain control at the dentist, by the way. That's another one of the advantages of light and sound machines. Take them to the dentist. You know, you'll you'll space out. Next thing you know, you're all done. <laughs> They're really cool. Uh, in fact, I I was a distributor of these for years and uh, sold several to uh, dentists uh, who were using them with difficult uh, patients, patients that were very very sensitive, and uh, they're remarkable for that. There is one caveat that we need to mention about light and sound, and that is in the universe of people who have epilepsy, there is a very small percentage of epileptics that it can experience a seizure in response to what is called photic stimulation. It's not all epileptics. And even if somebody knew they were epileptic, they'd probably be told at some point to be very careful around computer screens and televisions and any kind of electronic display, because if it's refresh rate, the rate at which it's flashing and restoring itself, hits just the right frequency, it can trigger a seizure in that small percentage of epileptics that suffer uh, this proclivity, this tendency uh, to fire off in a seizure through photic stimulation. Uh, now, again, that's not all epileptics, and it's not a problem for somebody who does not have epilepsy. So there's no way that one of these machines is going to cause epilepsy or trigger a seizure in somebody that is not an epileptic. But they're used by the medical establishment to deliberately trigger uh, epilepsy in known epileptics to find out what is the frequency they need to avoid because you know even highway hypnosis do you know the feeling of driving on the highway and that that regular ka-thump, 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 ka-thump as you're driving over the expansion cracks in the freeway <coughs> or the evenly spaced guardrails that flash by you or light coming through trees that are fairly evenly spaced, if that hits the right frequency, everybody goes into a kind of a trance, which can be rather dangerous in the freeway. But somebody who has epilepsy, that can trigger a seizure. And so they need to be aware of that. And that's the only caveat. That's the uh, that's the uh, the only uh rejoiner, you know, that I need to mention. Uh, otherwise, it's no more dangerous, again, than staring into a fireplace. 
and and I think you all know that feeling. You, you, you sit in front of the fireplace at home, or you go camping, or you're outdoors and you build a fire. You know, everybody gathers around the campfire. It's funny because people start looking at the flames initially, and little by little, you are sort of attracted to the base of the flames and you watch the fire at the base of the flame and you get more and more tranced out and more deeply focused incredible concentration as your attention goes to the base of the flame and you watch the fire breathing and uh, again entrancing it's it's or another word is fascinating it, it fascinates you it grabs you and this can be used again. These devices, um, the the devices that I recommend, and again, you can get on the internet, Google. There is, uh, I think, six or eight different companies that you'll come up with right off the bat that are manufacturing these devices. Now, unlike biofeedback, these devices. Uh, what's critical about brain entrainment and light and sound machines? is the program, the nature of the program inside. It's the software, not the hardware that you're paying the money for, right? Because anybody could build a box that makes lights flash and LED lights and a set of glasses flash and tones pulse in your ears. So that's no big deal. The rate at which they flash, uh, the degree to which they change, when they change, how often they change, that's all a matter of a lot of trial and error testing. So when I found a company I liked, I stayed with that company. This was about 15, 16, maybe even 17 years ago. And have worked with that company and bought, as a hypnotherapist, I bought dozens and dozens of machines from them. They're called Theta Technology. I highly recommend them because all of their programs were tested and re repeatedly tested at uh, the, the uh, Monroe Institute in Faber, Virginia. Some of you may know Robert Monroe. He wrote some books on out-of-body experience and uh, uh, astral projection, soul travel, that kind of stuff. Uh, he was a broadcast executive that was just fascinated by the use of light and sound and the subliminal tapes and such to create altered states. Google the Monroe Institute in favor of Virginia. They have their own products also, uh, CDs and cassette tapes that you can buy um, to create altered states. Well, Theta Technology, all of their programs came out of that institute, and that's why I, I find them to be very, very effective. Again, I've used them in my hypnotherapy practice with clients that were resistant to relaxation. <coughs> excuse me, with uh, with a wonderful effect. So, Theta Technology has two machines that they're selling right now. One is called the Galaxy, and the other is called the Mind's Eye. And they have not increased in price in about 10 years. Uh, so they're a better bargain than they've been in a long time. The basic unit is $250, I think $249 and change. And the that has like uh, 13 different programs on it. And the better unit, the Mind's Eye, sells for 349 And that's the luxury Rolls-Royce model. It has 50 programs. 
And it also has something called a binaural beat. I want to mention this because you can buy cassette tapes and CDs that are nothing but binaural beat. The binaural beat is similar to brain entrainment, but when incorporated into a light and sound machine, what it does is create a very small offset in the frequency of the tones that you hear in stereo headphones. So let's say you've adjusted the tone, the frequency of the tone that you hear, beep, 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 as it goes slower and slower. The pitch isn't changing. It's just going beep, 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 slower and slower. Let's say you set it to like the tone A below middle C on a piano. That would be 440 cycles per second. It's a standard reference pitch, 440A. You could, with the adjustment on the better light and sound machine, hit this binaural beat button and create in one ear that 440, but in the other ear 442 or 443, a very slight offset in terms of frequency that you would hear as a very slow beat. In other words, whatever is the difference in frequency, say 440 in one ear and 442 in the other ear, well, that's a two-cycle-per-second difference. So you would hear in your conscious awareness, in addition to these beeps, a two-cycle-per-second sub-beat. We go wah, 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 while it's going beep, 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 all right? And what that does is create brain synchronization or hemispheric synchronization. And this is a profile we see only in the best meditators, uh, Zen monks and, uh, you know, um, those who've dedicated their lives to meditation. In other words, using simple breathing or today we're talking about biofeedback and entrainment devices and other meditation aids, um, whatever it takes to get into these deeper levels of meditation, these slower brain waves, the hemispheres may both go into the alpha brain wave level and they both be generating, let's say, 10 cycles per second. That's the center of the alpha range. But they're not in phase. You have two hemispheres in your brain. They're connected in the middle by the corpus callosum, this bundle of nerves, but they're two independent brains, right? Not to be confused with the conscious and subconscious mind. You have two completely separate brains. But with the binaural beat, the hemispheres will synchronize and not only be generating the same rate or frequency of brainwave, but we'll be doing it in synchronization at the same time, hitting the peak at the same time, hitting the trough at the same time. And again, this is a signature of brainwave that we only see in experts. So that's one of the benefits of getting the better model. Um, again, I'm talking about the company I work with, Theta Technology out of Seattle, and their two devices it's the better of the two, the $350 model that has the binaural beat. So if you're going to buy a different um, a different brand than Theta Technologies brand, look for that binaural beat 
when you Google it. Make sure the company that um, you're looking at and the devices that you're reviewing have that as an option because I think as an upgrade, that's something you might really want to consider. I I certainly do. Again, I've, I've owned mine machines and used them not only with myself, on myself, for myself, but with clients for at least 15 years. I've lost track. I think it may be more like 17 or 18 years. Um, but <laughs> they've been around for quite a while. Brainwaves, interestingly, were discovered 104 years ago in 1905. It's been over 100 years that we've understood brainwaves. That's about as, you know, almost as long as we've had light bulbs. And so uh, there's nothing new about studying brainwaves. So well, those are the two primary areas that I wanted to talk about today is meditation aids, is uh, biofeedback and brain entrainment. A friend of mine earlier this morning reminded me of a, a device that Deepak Chopra was uh, promoting. I guess he had a little piece of the action. They cut him in on a piece of the action for this uh, Wild Divine machine, which is a device, a peripheral that you buy and plug into a USB port, and it comes with a software program that displays on the screen a rather mystical uh, fantasy wonderland uh, uh, that that you as kind of a, a a mystic are wandering through this faraway land, and you come upon these various tasks that you accomplish, like a video game. Only instead of using a joystick or a button, uh, you relax. You have these uh biofeedback probes that you hold in your hand or they're strapped to your fingers and uh if I remember it's just a palm rest with the wild divine. You just lay your hand on this device and it measures your galvanic skin response, the electrical conductivity of the skin. And so as you get more relaxed you can accomplish certain tasks on the game, the wild divine. And um it's sort of fun. And uh, I don't think it's quite as sensitive as a professional biofeedback machine, uh, but it's fun. Uh, that thing, I think, runs about 300 or $350. Not cheap, but um, if it's important to you to learn to relax, and uh, th- there are some pretty cool visuals. I remember a rock pile where the idea is to float the rocks. Uh, and you, as you get more and more relaxed, the rock actually floats up, you know. And if you think frustrating thoughts, it'll come crashing back to earth on the computer screen right in front of you. It's pretty cool. Uh, so I wanted to mention that. And then, um, let's see. There are other devices, of course. There are um, massage chairs and, uh, oh gosh, now... I I didn't even think to bring up my list here. Let's see what I forgot. Let me check my uh, my newsletter from this past week to see. Seems like I'm forgetting something here. And I want to mention it all, and then we'll go to your comments and questions. So if you're on the uh, oh CES machines, I wanted to mention too. Um, a CES machine it stands for a cranial electrostimulation. 
And uh, the company I work with, uh, Theta Technology, makes one of these too. It's um, there's not as much research on the uh, uh, benefits of this. Not as there, there's not as many people building them or selling them or experimenting with them, but but they are safe. They're legal. Uh, they're inexpensive. I think Theta Technologies. Um, CES machine is about $100 or $110, something like that. And uh, it induces a very low level of um, electricity right into your brain. Again, I think it, many people find the whole idea rather creepy. Uh, it's one thing to measure the output of the brain naturally. It's another thing to induce a voltage into the brain and put little electrodes on either side of your forehead. Uh, but I've done it. I own the machine, and it does create a state of deep relaxation, uh, an altered state. Um, I think all of these are certainly safer than hallucinogens and psychotropic medications. Um, and primarily, I just want you to know that they're out there. So uh, they're called electrocranial stimulation devices or cranial electrostimulation devices. And, uh, again, you can Google that and find out about that as a form of relaxation. I mentioned that in addition to being included on the better brain entrainment machines, that the binaural beat recordings are available on cassette and CD. Remember the term binaural beat <clears throat> when you Google and shop. Um, sleep machines. This is just the idea of an, in, uh, a relaxing sound. You, you see these all the time. Sharper Image sells these. Um, it might be something as simple as uh, the sound of a waterfall or an ocean or rain or crickets or a mountain stream. People find this to be very relaxing. You can buy these machines that have a little... Uh, loop on the inside, you know, a little uh, computer chip on the inside that plays these things round and round and over and over, and uh, it induces sleep. Well, it, if it induces sleep, it can be used as a meditation aid. And I mentioned massage chairs. These are very expensive. A good massage chair is not just a vibrator chair, but a chair with usually hard rubber wheels that run up and down either side of your spine. Um, they run anywhere from $2,000 on up and um, can be very effective at creating relaxation through physical massage. Uh, the machine I bought 20 years ago, the slogan was, the hands that never tire, and it was a Japanese medical device. It was very cool. And I paid a lot of money for it, but it really, really worked. And the hands never tired. The machine worked for years. Uh, and then uh, Samadhi tanks or flotation tanks I want to recommend uh, and mention briefly. These also are very expensive. Uh, they're several thousand dollars for the cheapest. And um, the more expensive machines, I think, run uh, or tanks uh, run upwards of eight or $10,000 now. Uh, 20 years ago, you could get one for a couple of thousand dollars. And 
some cities actually will have samadhi centers or flotation tank centers where you can go. What they are is sensory deprivation tanks. And they came out of the research that uh, NASA was doing and other government agencies was were doing because it was discovered that when deprived of stimulus altogether, that not only did people not go to sleep, but they went into an altered state of expanded awareness, a meditation kind of a state. And so a lot of the research on this was done by the late John Lilly, who is known for his dolphin research. And you may remember a movie from 15 years ago called Altered States, where William Hurt would get into a flotation tank and turn into a monkey. Um, (laughs) The damn movie did more harm than good, but that was when people were first learning about flotation tanks. It's a saline solution that supports you, so you float effortlessly in water and then close the door so there's no light, no sound, and um, the water is heated to... 98.6, the body temperature, so very quickly you don't feel anything. There's zero stimulus, zero input, and you go into an altered state. And for all of the benefits that accrue, the expanded awareness in a spiritual sense, the mental acuity and clarity, the emotional sensitivity, um, preparing for a peak performance situation like athletes or for an academic uh, test, um, or for insight and understanding all the benefits of altered states uh, you get from these, uh, all of these tools, the flotation tanks, the massage chairs, the sleep machines, the uh, electro-stimulation, uh, cranial electro-stimulation devices, uh, audio recordings um, that come on cassette tapes and now on CDs, um, some of them subliminal suggestions, some of them binaural beats, and then primarily the biofeedback device and the brain entrainment machine. So I've already told you how to get a free biofeedback card. I'll mail it to you if you send me a self-addressed stamped envelope. Address it to my buddy Steve Snyder at P.O. Box 580, HANA, H-A-N-A, HANA, Hawaii, HI nine six seven one three. Do that in the next week and give me two or three weeks to turn it around and I'll mail it back to you. Okay. If you're listening to this program on a replay in the future, you can try me. You can send me an email and I'll tell you if I've got any more of these. You can always email me at my initials MB at theagelesswisdom.com. All right, remember the T-H-E, just like the website, theagelesswisdom.com. So my email is mb at theagelesswisdom.com. Say, hey, I was listening to your replay from back there in the end of May on the uh, 24th Memorial Day weekend, 2009. You got any more of those? Um, But if you're listening live today, I can guarantee it. And then if you want to know about the Theta Technology Machine, I can give you a discount on that, too. Look at my website, theagelesswisdom.com. Click on Home Page to go inside, and then go all the way down to the Fun tab. You'll see all the links on the left. Go to the one that says Fun. All right, so the Ageless Wisdom, 
www.thehomepageradio.com, click on Home Page to go inside, and then click on Fun, and you'll see an article on the brain entrainment machines. Both of them are displayed there. And email me, mb at com if you're interested in a purchase, and I'll make sure you get a uh, a discount on that too for being on the uh, for being on the call today. Okay, so let me go over the questions and comments real quickly, and uh, then we'll do a quick meditation. I'm running long today. I apologize. Hope you can stick around and stay with us. Uh, let me say hello to Carol Pastel. She's with us today, and she says, "I'm always baffled." when they send a stealth bomber over the Rose Parade. Why do they do that? Why do people applaud, and what are they celebrating? Carol, referring to my comments at the top of the program today about war and Memorial Day and such. Thank you, Carol. Nice to hear from you. Lisa Hubler in Burbank is with us, and she says, Hello, uh, me and Dale, if you're at home today, uh, lots of love to uh, you and Doreen. Thanks, guys. Nice to hear from you. Uh, been thinking about you, and uh, I'm glad you signed on today. Uh, Lisa and Dale are both certified hypnotherapists, and <clears throat> I worked in their uh, clinic in their offices in Burbank for several years. Good people. In Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, John Bowles is with us. Hello, John. He says, how can I incorporate meditation into my daily life? I seem to have a resistance that comes over me and continue to put it off. Well, we all have a resistance to meditation, John. It's the funniest darn thing. I've been uh, meditating for 35 years. I've been teaching meditation for 30 years, and I'm still resistant to doing it. And it's like, oh, don't make me sit still, close my eyes, dream beautiful dreams, of fantastic, wonderful places and do nothing. I mean, what is... <laughs> it's so counterintuitive that we would resist fantasy of solutions and goals achieved and wonderful outcomes in imaginary places of perfect peace. Why would we resist that? It's because the ego identifies with the separate nature and does not want to yield to the spiritual truth of your identity as part of the one thing or the one life. That's pretty much the ego's job. So it uses the thoughts, the rationalizing nature of mentality, to distract you and to argue against meditation. So you won't find out that there's a higher self. It's like the character that we play uh, tries to distract us. So, to know that, number one, helps. Uh, two other quick suggestions. Meditate as you go to sleep every night. You're going from awake to asleep. That means you're going to pass through the meditative levels of alpha and theta. So, every night as you go to bed, see how long you can maintain, even if only for three to five minutes, an awareness in that in-between place. Right? where it doesn't feel like you're awake, but you're aware, so you're not yet asleep, sort of that twilight place where you're deeply relaxed. And again, the three elements of any meditation, close your eyes, reduce stimulus. You do that as you go to sleep, right? 
do some slow, deep breathing. All you have to do is take a few slow breaths and then watch your body breathe itself. Turn it over to autopilot and watch your breath. That's a meditation. And then let go of muscular tension. Feel the letting go in your body. Do it as you fall asleep every night. And uh, that's an end run, if you will, around the ego, uh, trying to distract you and say, you don't have time to meditate. You're way too busy and much too important to be sitting idly and all that crap that the ego is trying to to uh, tell you and convince you of. Uh, the other tip is uh, meditate first thing in the morning, okay? Uh, whatever has been your schedule, get up 10 or 15 minutes earlier than you're used to getting up. And uh, before you, you know, have that cup of coffee or tea or your orange juice, uh, incorporate early into the day uh, a routine of sitting quietly for a few minutes. And pretty soon... Uh, I think you'll find the benefits of that uh, will counterbalance and outweigh the rational mind convincing you that you're wasting your time. So as you go to sleep or first thing in the morning when you wake up is a real good time to sneak that in. In Tucson, Arizona, Lorelei says, Aloha, Michael. As always, great class. Have a wonderful weekend. Peace and love to you and Doreen. And Aloha, Lorelei. Uh, back at you in Tucson, AZ today. Robert in Irvine. Robert Fiegel says, Aloha, Michael. Most of my family and friends cannot seem to find the time to meditate, but they always find the time to watch several hours of television, which is a kind of meditation, frankly. Uh, he goes on, I think it would be great if there was a meditation channel uh, then I would feel a lot better paying my $150 a month for the cable bill. Excellent class. Have a magical weekend. Yeah, you got a real good point. <coughs> um, a meditation channel. Uh, I think there are actually some meditation channels. Some cable systems uh, have uh uh, special channels that are dedicated to spirituality and spiritual development that include meditation. Uh, the, the funny thing is the best meditation channel would probably be a channel that uh, had nothing on it. I mean, just relaxing music because the idea is to close your eyes. But to just fix your eyes and soften your gaze even, uh, allows for meditation. I mean, actually, athletes and runners get a meditative high, even though they're exerting themselves physically. They can drop into a kind of a meditative state. <coughs> Excuse me. So, eyes open meditation is possible, especially if your gaze is fixed. I've had people on uh, biofeedback machines where I've experimented and uh, um, led them with the biofeedback machine into a state of deep relaxation. And so the machine went from going beep, 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 down to beep, beep, beep. And then I would say to them, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to open your eyes. I want you to do that very slowly. But don't roll your eyes around. Just whatever you're looking at, when your eyes open, Fix your gaze gently and softly upon whatever you see when you open your eyes. 
And now slowly open your eyes. And they do. They open their eyes. And the biofeedback machine is unchanged. It's still going beep, 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 with their eyes open. And then I would say now just very slowly roll your eyes to the left or to the right or look up or look down. It doesn't seem to matter. I just suggest to them that they move their eye muscles. And as soon as they begin to move their eyes, Beep, 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 See, because there's the stimulation. So it's not essential to have your eyes closed. The secret is to reduce the stimulus or the input to create the altered state for the expanded awareness that we're seeking. Now, there are mental benefits we've talked about, right? You get smarter. There are emotional benefits. You get more sensitive, your EQ and your IQ increase, but this is the result of expanded awareness. That's what we're looking for. And if you don't know what that means, then you need to meditate (laughs) more than ever. (laughs) What does it mean to to be aware, uh, to be awake? Also, in uh, Cerritos, Kareem is with us. He says, uh, hi, Michael, I'm definitely going to try one of those machines when I get a chance, and thanks for sharing. Okay. So let's uh, do a quick uh, alpha exercise here. Even though our program today was all about aids and machines and gadgets and doodads uh, to help us uh, get into altered states, uh, we can do it without. And at the end of the day, you know, if you rely on a machine, uh, you're good as long as you got an electric outlet to plug it into or as long as your batteries are charged up. Uh, but if the batteries go dead and you've got no AC, the good news is you don't really need one of these meditation aids. All you need to do is three things. Close your eyes. Watch your breathing. Relax and let go of physical tension. That's all there is to it. So let's do that now. Get in a nice, comfortable place. Some people can tuck the telephone up under their chin. Some people can use Bluetooth. Some people put it on speakerphone. Uh, Some of you are listening over the computer. Whatever the case may be, do your best to get comfortable and relaxed, prop up the pillows, and think of yourself as being balanced. You're not, you don't want to be rigid like a two-by-four. You just want to be balanced. So think of your head as balanced on your neck and shoulders, like a um, seal at the circus would balance a beach ball on the tip of its nose. Imagine your head is balanced on your shoulders. Put your shoulders back. And think of sitting straight above the spine as if receptive, as if aligned to a downward impress on the vertical, a precipitation of energy that rains down gently upon you. And by sitting straight and balanced, you are open and receptive to that impress. 
And having assumed this wonderful balanced position creates and sends a feeling of being safe and relaxed. Take a nice slow deep breath, pulling in strength and power as you inhale and as you exhale feel the letting go. Relax. Muscle tension falling away as if you're dropping a suit of armor. Safe, relaxed, balanced, receptive. And then put your attention on the bottom of your nose. And as you turn your breathing over to autopilot and let your body breathe itself, simply witness the natural ebb and flow of your breathing at the very bottom of your nose, at the very point where breath and prana enters and leaves the body. Think of good air coming in, wholesome, oxygen, rich, and and, and fresh, and wonderful, and as you naturally exhale, Imagine stress and tension as if it were black, oily smoke being exhaled as carbon dioxide. In with the good air and out with the bad. Okay? But it's not an effort. As you gently fix your attention upon your breath and allow my voice to guide you, Consider how miraculous that your body will breathe itself all by itself, freeing the mind from having to breathe consciously. You know, whales and dolphins are conscious breathers. They can never go to sleep. They only sleep one side of the brain at a time in the alpha brainwave level because they need to remember to breathe every breath they decide to take and they surface to do so you on the other hand have the ability to allow autopilot to do the breathing for you and if you did nothing else for five or ten minutes but watch your breath You'd be meditating and enjoying all of the benefits that go with meditation. You know about suggestion, perhaps, and it's good to be affirmative in these levels of mind, to think positively. You may know about chanting or mantras and repeating phrases again, Om Mani Padme Hung. Om Mani Padme Hung, or just Om Aum, or Love, or One. That could be a mantra, just One. And you know about the benefits of visualization and guided imagery, and you can also do that, especially for problem solving and decision making and better understanding your life. 
sometimes all you need to do is just breathe and be the watcher rather than the breather. And with a little practice, you'll find in time a sensation of watching yourself breathe in a mindful and detached way, almost as if you were watching somebody else's body breathing. It's a wonderful, rejuvenating experience that makes you emotionally more sensitive, physically healthier and stronger, mentally provides more clarity, and spiritually expanded awareness and higher consciousness without any effort whatsoever, just watching yourself breathe. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to open your eyes wide awake and alert, bringing with you effortlessly and gently these feelings of relaxation, a deep peace, and looking forward to this great weekend. So inhale, big, full, deep breath now. Hold for a moment, and as you exhale, open your eyes, wide awake and alert, back in the room, feeling fine, refreshed and rested, and uh, back in the room. Again, email me at my initials at this website, mb at theagelesswisdom.com if you have any questions about anything here. Um, I'm still doing telephone sessions. I mentioned that last week, and a couple of people said, I didn't know you were doing that, and I'll do a 20-minute free intake for you, and then you can decide if it's something that you want to do on the telephone. All right. So my telephone number is on the website, too. It's a service in L.A., 818-569-3017. 569-3017 in the 818 area code. And be sure and visit FocusedPassion.com. Remember the ED, FocusedPassion.com, and check out the trial subscription and the sample programs we have for you there. Steve and I do one of those every week. Thanks a lot for being here. Have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner from Maui. Aloha. Aloha.